beautiful people and welcome to the Childhood Rising podcast. This space and this business have been intentionally designed to bring together an empowered collective of parents, educators, carers, and other folk who are all journeying alongside children. Through this podcast and our support services, we aim to raise the well-being of the whole child, as well as the adults who walk alongside them. We talk about trauma-informed caregiving, play, and the importance of attachment, while also not being afraid to cover the difficult but deeply reflective conversational topics too. If you too believe in the inherent wholeness, competence, and contribution children have to offer this world, then you're in the right place you've clicked play on this episode then chances are that you might have a little person who is doing a lot of screaming right now or maybe you are an educator who's working with some little ones who are doing lots of screaming so stay tuned because this episode is going to be hopefully just what you are needing right now I want to start out by saying that screaming and yelling can be a part of a normal healthy emotion expression especially when it is accompanied by crying tears and perhaps other active body movements such as like what you might be seeing when a child is having a tantrum. Screaming may not be accompanied by all of these things necessarily but when it's accompanied by a few and with the absence of other behaviors like destructing property or attempts to harm others we can more often than not assume that that screaming is a part of that child's innate physiological functions for emotion release that help to restore physiological balance within their system. So in other words, the crying and the raging, which includes that screaming, is an attempt to regulate in and of itself. A common story parents of toddlers share with me is that the example or the story of when they say are at the shops with their little one and the toddler or the little one might ask their parent to purchase something, you know, usually a toy or a candy of sorts. And if that little person is met with a no from their parent, screaming can erupt. In these instances, if we were to give the child a toy, I think we are really missing the need for what that child is asking for. The need that child is usually seeking to have met isn't the need for a toy, right? In aware parenting, there is something called the broken cookie phenomenon. You may may or may not already be aware um, of what this is. But essentially what it is is when children ask for something, say a cookie, and they then receive that cookie, we give them that cookie, and let's say that cookie is broken – a huge emotion release can erupt, right? You probably you can probably think of examples um, in your own relationship with your children or children that you work with where something similar has happened. It might not be a broken cookie necessarily. It might be the blue cup and not the green cup. It might be in response to any sort of loving limit that you have set with that child, such as say no to the toy at the shops. So it can be helpful to sort of reframe what is happening in that moment and look for the need that exists behind and beyond what that child is requesting. They aren't asking for a toy. Instead, they are asking for a pretext to cry and release emotions that might have been built up over the day or over the week or whatever time frame. In these examples, initially the screaming that we are seeing is not accompanied by the other behaviors I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, so the crying or the active body movements. So that would indicate to us um, healthy emotion expression, right? So the tears and the crying alongside that screaming would be telling us that this is a healthy, um, you know, innate mechanism for releasing those emotions. But when those the crying and the active body movements aren't there, we might want to do something about it. And what we could do is set a boundary 
or a loving limit that helps move that screaming that is happening in isolation into a healthy emotion expression where the screaming is then accompanied by some sort of tears or crying or active body movements, right? Especially the tears. This boundary, of course, is communicated to that little one in a way that offers them emotional safety and sort of welcomes those feelings in. And there's lots of different ways that we can uh, be setting those boundaries and those loving limits, which is probably a conversation for another podcast episode. Um, I guess what I'm saying, though, is that we can reframe how we're viewing that toddler screaming or yelling as an invitation for them to have the need to have some sort of pretext to cry. And we're giving them that pretext to cry and have that release through setting that loving limit. In saying all of this though, there will always be times and places that we simply do not have the capacity to welcome in those feelings. So in those moments, we might choose to say yes to the toy request or use some sort of distraction. And although not ideal, know that it is okay to do so while we also know that we're essentially delaying the inevitable, right? Children are very good at finding ways to have their needs met, and it is very likely that your child will ask for something else, be it another toy or some other um, request in the day, to find another reason and seek out their other pretext to cry. Okay, so to summarize, the first reason that your toddler or little one might be screaming can be an underlying need to cry. So in response to that, we will be setting a loving limit or a boundary of some sorts and creating emotional safety that moves that screaming into the pretext to crying that that child might need. The second reason that you might have a toddler or a young child who is screaming a lot is because of a need for power and control. Now, this can be developmental, especially around ages 18 months to two or three age, two, two or three years of age, sorry. We see children moving through a stage in their development where they are essentially wired to seek autonomy and develop a sense of self-control. So prior to this age, they have been fully dependent on their adult caregivers in their lives, and they now suddenly realize that they are beings within their own right that exist outside of us, and they can make decisions and do things independently. So it is a really critical and important part of establishing their identity and confidence, and the need for autonomy is very real and very hardwired. If you've been around toddlers, you can probably see this. <laughs> and if they aren't receiving opportunity for them to practice this autonomy through giving them choices wherever you can, screaming can result as an attempt to assert this need. We literally cannot control whether a toddler is screaming, so it is very much... Um, we could very much see that as a potential attempt to control related right, to this developmental milestone, right? Or it could be a general need for power and control in their life, which we all have to some extent. Screaming can also just be new and fun and a source of novelty for toddlers, right? They are still learning what is socially acceptable. This is a learned thing. It's not something that we are born knowing. Um, a friend recently shared a story with me that really made me smile. She she knew another parent who had a toddler who was screaming what seemed like all the time for no real apparent reason. So the parents of this toddler took their child to the park and the two parents and the toddler all ran around the park screaming. <laughs> and the story made me smile because I love that they sort of um, provided an opportunity for that toddler to have the right environment to get that screaming out to get that need met in some way the behavior wasn't just shut down completely and told you know they weren't just told you can't do that that's not okay um, and they made it fun so the toddler had some sort of release with the screaming at the park but there was also connection involved because that their parents got involved and they made it this game this funny thing that they were all doing together 
And there would have been laughter, I'm sure, as well. And that laughter is an emotion release too. So regardless of the why for that toddler screaming, there was still the opportunity for release through the screaming itself, through connection with their parents and the laughter that probably um, resulted from that as well. There are also lots of reasons outside of what is perhaps developmentally appropriate why children might be seeking power and control. I mean, firstly, children inherently live in a world where they just don't have a lot of power and control, right? It is a normal part of the human experience to want to seek some control over our lives. And for our children, it's not really any different. Typically, children are told what to do, when to do it um, by the adults in their lives, whether that's at home with their parents or carers um, or at school by teachers and educators. A child who has also experienced any sort of stressful or traumatic events in their life can often have a heightened sense of the need for control because control, having control can be so tightly associated with feelings of safety. And when I say stressful events, I'm not necessarily meaning, um, you know, big traumas, the lack of a better word, but stressful events for children can include common childhood experiences like the birth of a new sibling, like starting school, moving house or parent separation, just as some examples that are coming to mind. So in these instances, it is hard to give guidance in the context of a podcast episode because the approach to supporting that child would be so varied and depending, dependent on, you know, that unique child and their unique family circumstances. What I will say, though, is that children innately seek to heal from the stress um, or trauma that they might have experienced in their lives or the stress of having no power and control through mechanisms like crying and raging. So listening to feelings really supports the expression of this and therefore decreases the likelihood of that child continuing to yell and scream. What can be really challenging is when you feel like you are offering your child lots of opportunity um, to have their feelings listened to, but the screaming is still persisting. Children also use the mechanisms of laughter and play to access healing. And there are lots of different types of attachment play that we can be using really intentionally with our children to meet their need for power and control or to support healing and emotion expression in some way. Um, which also yeah, provides opportunity for releasing of that tension that might be otherwise associated with any stored emotions. So I like to look at our approach to screaming perhaps twofold, right? There's the acute response and the preventative response. The acute response being what we are doing and saying in the moment to the immediate behavior that we're seeing in front of us. So this would be using things like I statements or setting boundaries and loving limits And then secondly, there's that preventative response, what we are doing outside of those moments when the acute behavior isn't happening and how we are supporting processing and opportunities for healing through play and laughter within a safe and connected relationship with us as their primary caregiver. I'm actually running a workshop on Thursday. So if you're listening to this episode on the day that it comes out, the Thursday uh, following that, which is the 4th of May. Um, And this workshop is going to be supporting parents around exactly this. The workshop is called From Hitting to Healing, and I'll be sharing aware parenting approaches, especially the use of attachment play to navigate behaviors like screaming or any expressions of anger and aggression that you might have concerns about right now. I will go into a much deeper dive than the time that a podcast episode allows around distinguishing the differences between anger, so healthy anger expression, and aggressive behaviors how to respond and listen to feelings in the moment. And then we will explore some of the types of therapeutic attachment play you can be using outside of those um, meltdown moments, I guess, to sort of uh, 
act is that preventative response I've sort of talked about here. So this workshop will be helpful for any parents of little ones who are aged one to eight in navigating the challenges of anger and aggressive behaviors right now. So if this is something you are interested in and um, would like to learn more, you can find the link in the show notes of this episode to learn more about the workshop and perhaps get your ticket if you are feeling called to join us. It's happening at 10 a.m. Thursday, the 4th of May. If you can't attend live, that's okay. A workshop recording will be made available to everyone for seven days, regardless of whether you can attend the workshop live or not. But you do need to have a ticket purchased in order to receive that replay. I hope that you have found this episode helpful and maybe it started to shift the way that you're viewing screaming a little bit. They can We can often find a whole lot of compassion when we have some understanding for what's going on for our little ones and why this behavior might be happening. Um, if you would like me to do an episode on that loving limit setting, then please let me know. You could send me a message on Instagram. I always welcome feedback and suggestions for podcast episodes. And yeah, I would love to see you at our workshop on Thursday.